You can't force me to testify in my own case. I'm afraid you opened the door to that one when you made Harvey's character an issue because his character is an issue, then why isn't yours? Look, I broke no laws. And we all know that Janice Stanger is guilty. And if she's guilty and you're as good as you think you are, you should have gotten her convicted without planting that bullshit. So which is it, Andy? Do you want to be humiliated on the stand or do you want to drop this case right now, you evidence manufacturing piece of shit? Suit Season 7, Episode 10 is over. And if you're ready to hear us talk about Donna, then Suits Yourself. I'm Rob Sestradino back here with the brand new movie reviewer from the Potomac News. It's Chappelle. Yes. I made it. You I made, made it. it. You're here. Yeah. No fake news here. Just, you know, straight from the source. Can't tell you who the source is, but just know. If they said it, I believe it, and I'm willing to go to court for it. Okay, we got a lot going on here in an episode called Donna, where Donna has to go on the witness stand after they decide not to prep her. She goes up there. It doesn't go great. Uh, It ends with uh, Mike, of all people, saying like, hey, you need to tell Harvey how you really feel, which I'm surprised that he didn't get slapped for uh, going up to Donna and saying that. And then Donna plants one on Harvey, walks out the door, said, I just had to know, and leaves. Yeah. So what did that mean? What What do you think she took from that kiss with Harvey? Because it was a good, passionate kiss. We saw she planted one right on him. He didn't not kiss back, but he didn't also like, he didn't embrace her. He just kind of ate the kiss. Yeah. Um, not sure consent think- was there. Not not sure. Not sure consent was there. It was a it, it was um it it's gray. It's definitely gray. Um until until we find out what to, what Harvey says next. But Rob, what do you think Donna took from this big moment? Because as you said, Mike Ross did urge her at the urging of Rachel, basically. Rachel basically calls out that Donna clearly has feelings for Harvey still. Mike says, act on it, see what happens. Donna does, and then she walks out and leaves us hanging on for whatever happens next. What do you think? Well, I don't know. I mean, you would think that if the kiss goes well, like there'd be like, wow, okay, now I know. Uh, but I feel like if it if it goes well, I feel like you don't immediately leave the room and say, okay, now I know. I think you run away regardless because it's awkward now, right? Because you did just, you know, you did just force your kiss up on Harvey. Mm-hmm. So you kind of like, all right, I'm gonna just leave you to sit with that, but I gotta go yeah. and uh and, and cry in the car or something. You know, she had to get out the room. She made a bold move, but I think she was a little embarrassed. Although I feel like that was this not exactly Harvey's move with Dr. Agard, where I think he just like pulled up at her house and then just started like kissing her. Well, first he pulled up in his big fancy car. And was like, hey, lady, look at me. I'm Harvey. I'm I'm handsome and I'm rich. What is, mm-hmm. What's up with it? And then later on, he he worked up to like, all right, you know, I'm all in. Let's let's kiss. Uh, and Dr. Agar was kind of she was she was into it. Mm-hmm. You know, you could tell. Uh, but here, Harvey and Donna have never given in, any inclination that they could potentially date. You know, we've seen that they enjoy each other's company, that they potentially are in love with each other, that they will go to the ends of earth for each other. But whenever Donna's asked about Harvey in this episode, she always says, me and Harvey cannot be together. We do not work together. We will not work together. We we have, we agreed that it will not go there. But I was always under the impression that it was Harvey and Donna, they did it one time, 
And then she ends up working for him again. And that's very messy to be working for your boss and having feelings for your boss. So um, they're going to, you know, cut all those, you know, those feelings off. But she doesn't work for Harvey anymore, per se. Like she does, but she's not his assistant. She's the COO. The power dynamics have shifted somewhat. Somewhat. Yeah, it's still a difference in the dynamic because Harvey's name is still on the wall. But it, it is not the same as legal secretary to, you know, high power lawyer. And so I'm thinking maybe that gives her a little wiggle room to explore these feelings. I just don't know what she took from it. I would hope that two seasons before the end of this show, they are, they're going to make a, a decision on what we're going to do with Don and Harvey. Because honestly, I'm exhausted with every time somebody wants to get to Harvey, they just go to Don and be like, do you love him? Yes or no? Huh? Mm-hmm. Did you sleep with him to get this job? Huh? You know, like, bro, if you just pick a lane, Donna, and we just announce it and say, Donna, yeah, she's in love with him. They're going to try it out. We'll see what happens from there. But I'm kind of, I'm a little tired of the the back and forth of like, will they, won't they? Yeah. Let's just make a, make a decision. I feel like, and maybe, you know, I don't know what this says about me, but I think I would have liked this more if it was Harvey who sort of like has the realization of like, oh my God, like it was Donna. I'm in love with Donna. She was in front of me the whole time and him goes to her. I don't know if that, hey, maybe people are like, hey, we love it that Donna is the one that she's going out there. Get it, girl. She's going out there and going after what she wants. But it feels like to me that through much of Suits, a lot of the storylines like, oh, my God, Donna is in love with Harvey. Um, and mm. Donna was like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. And this is her finally saying, <laughs> like, you know what? I am. I am in love with Harvey. And I got to act on that impulse. Whereas I feel like that Harvey was like we had this a little bit in season five where he had that moment with her that caused her to end up breaking up being secretary with him. And Mm -hmm. it was almost like that that was like the one time that he sort of like exhibited that he had feelings towards Donna and it didn't go well. But I almost feel like that it was him that was holding back more on this than ever it was Donna. Yeah, she's I think the exchange kind of went like, so, Harvey, why did you do this? And he's like, Donna, y- you know, she's like, no, I don't know. Tell me. And he's like, I mean, Donna, come on. You you know what it is. He's like, no, say the words, say the words to me right now. And he's like, Donna, come on, man. It's us. This is what we do. You know, mm-hmm. I do you love me, but we ain't got to say it. Right. She's like, he said, right, work for- I believe he said, you know, I love you, Donna. Right. Right. Like, you know, I love you like on like some like, you know, I'm in love with you, but you know, I love you, girl. And it's like, all right. But like, what is it? What do you mean by that? You know, what do you mean? What, is, what do you mean? And so, uh, yeah, I think Donna was waiting on him to clarify and he never really does. And so for her now, I think this is her saying, tell me or else, you know, like tell me right now. Um, and then like if you tell me right now, I can move on. But I think she really wants to be released from whatever feeling she might have for Harvey because if she knows it's unrequited or that it's never going to lead to anything then she can move on but I think right now she's convinced herself that it'll never work you know like we've never seen Harvey and Donna actually talk about what a relationship between the two of them would look like would they be compatible as a couple you know she just just gave the key back Exactly. So it's like, well, do or will you be compatible with a couple? It's not like they stopped, they sat down, talked about it, and said, you know what, Donna, you're you, I'm me. It's just, it's just we just don't mesh well. You know, they didn't have that conversation. So I think this is her kind of planting her flag and being like, do I even want to have this conversation? Let me kiss you and see if it's worth it. Uh, because it's not only is Donna 
you know, making a great display here for Harvey to say, like, love me, pick me, choose me. She's out, you know, he's with Dr. Agard. So she's about to break up a relationship potentially to make this happen. So I think she has to tread lightly here and figure out what she wants to do. I think for Harvey, he would have had to be willing to adult her. You know, he'd be willing to, uh, like, you know, mm-hmm. to cheat on, on Dr. Agard. And that's that's not in Harvey's like wheelhouse. He doesn't he doesn't cheat. So there's yeah. that. And this is going to be very hard to unwind with Dr. Agard uh, when uh, that he wants to break it off with her when things have been going so well. And why is that? Oh, it's because Donna like, oh, that Donna who that uh, that you started having panic attacks and shows that she's very much like on the inside of like, what is this relationship about? So this is going to be hard for Harvey to, I think, untangle. Right. Wait. Well, yeah, well, he'll probably just need to go to therapy. Mm-hmm. So almost like he needs to call his therapist and be like, hey, therapist. Dr. Lipschitz, I, uh, do you have any availability? Are you seeing any new patients? Yeah, it's almost like you shouldn't start dating your therapist, Harvey, in case you need therapy. You know, yeah, it would be nice. So he can't go to Dr. Paula and say, yeah, um, between you and I, don't tell nobody because, you know, this is a privileged conversation, but. My my COO kissed me and I'm dating a therapist. You you might know her. Her name is Paula. You know, uh, it's going to put him in a very tight spot. So um, unwinding this will be fun. But I do think that Paula will understand if no one else does, because she knows that Harvey's in love with Donna. Like, I I think deep down, she knows that it's always Donna. It's always going to be Donna. You know, I don't think he's going to have panic attacks if Dr. Agar decides, all right, I'm done. But if Donna decides she's done... You got you got to go watch Harvey. You got to put him. You like you have to go make sure that he's okay. Uh, so I think that if he comes to Doctor Agar and be like Donna, kiss me. I think she's gonna be like, all right, well that's my time. You know, mm-hmm. she's gonna grab her things and say, you ain't, we ain't got to really talk about this. It's not gonna be a fight for this one. Take your Donna and go. All right. Well, Donna is also at the center of this whole case that's going on with Andrew Malik, and we're gonna have the mock trial, and ultimately, um, we decide to cancel the mock trial because we Lewis really should have had the mock trial should have had the mock trial. Uh, but I'm not even sure if the mock trial would have prepped them for, I don't think that they saw anything coming with this whole destroying evidence, uh, from the, uh, coastal motors case. I don't think that they really seem to know that that was even on the table, that that was going to come up. But Andrew Malik, he has the spoilers. Chappelle, he's seen suits. He's seen suits and he knows exactly who to go to about this kind of information. And so um, the only person who we know who's watched this show as closely as we have is Holly Cromwell. Mm -hmm. She knows everything. And if she doesn't, she knows the men to call to get this information. So she called up uh, Suit Yourself, the podcast, and said, hey, I'm Holly Cromwell. It's me again. I got to get some info on Donna. Can you tell me about some of the other things that she's done for Harvey? And it is very fascinating to me that Harvey, Mike... Rachel, Lewis, they've all forgotten that Donna destroyed that evidence because that was such a big pop point. She got fired for shredding evidence, y'all. This is a big deal. Yeah. Maybe they talked to Travis Tanner. I feel like he, he also, yeah. you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Travis Tanner and Holly Cromwell, I'd like to see it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Nobody they, seemed to think like, uh, uh, like who would know this kind of information? Like, uh, did they talk to Daniel Hardman? Did they talk to anybody? When mm-hmm. so when when it first you know dropped that someone leaked the information, they're like, well, who could it be? 
I was like, it could be thousands, 2,000, 3,000 people. Mike's like, well, we didn't work with 3,000 people. I'm like, yeah, but you worked with a good 100. Mm -hmm. And so it could be anybody. There's several partners who have come and gone. There's, uh, you know, several associates that have come and gone. And everybody knew Donna got fired for shredding that evidence. It wasn't a secret. So, yeah, for Donna to get fired from shredding evidence and then be COO later on, it is weird. It is a strange uh, occurrence. And it would lead people to think that there's something going on outside of professionalism to get Donna into that spot. I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility that Donna had been doing something nefarious to get there. Maybe she has something over on Harvey or something like that. We've seen these people blackmail themselves into positions before, but uh, Andy, Andy Malik says, or did you sleep your way to the top? And I was like, Rude. Andy, yeah. wow. Even, bruh, I wasn't prepared for Andrew to go that low. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, a lot of low blows that come from Andrew Malik, and we end up getting, okay, it must have been somebody. We go back to Holly Cromwell. Were you surprised we brought Holly Cromwell back again for this? Yes, and I'm also people. surprised that they tried to put Holly Cromwell on the stand. They're like, all right, Miss mm -hmm. Cromwell, the, you think Donna getting slut-shamed was bad. Let's put Holly Cromwell on the stand. She's like, do you know what I do? Mm -hmm. Are y'all familiar with what, what my job is? She said, "Do you? Uh, it's not legal to do what I'm doing. You want me to get on the stand and let people talk to me? You think a jury is going to side with me, a madam of the night? Um, <laughs> yeah, a, a corporate madam at that? Excuse me? I was like, Holly, slap them. Mm -hmm. You know, because Donna had some nerve going to Holly Cromwell and be like, listen, back in the day, I judged you. But now that I know a little bit more, now that I've actually done my research, you're kind of cool. You know, you grew up with an alcoholic father. Yeah, where'd you she get this oppo research on Holly Cromwell from? She's Donna. She's but Donna. Why are you why are you choosing to be Donna right now? You could have been Donna when Holly came to you the first time. I know time. you had an alcoholic stepfather. How? <laughs> Who did right. you talk Donna, to? What's your, Donna, what's your excuse? You know, like you like to read people and you know how to get things. I that found your need. diary. Uh, right. I, yeah. Yeah. And so she's like, yeah, that might be true. Thank you, Donna, for not judging this book by a cover. Oh, wait, you did. And so now that you think that I am actually a human, you need me to do something for you. And you need to do it at the expense of me. PSL, now SL, has just <laughs> screwed uh, Holly Cromwell over several different times. Mm -hmm. She lost a million dollars in clientele, and now they want to put her on the stand. Leave that lady alone. She ain't bothering nobody. Yeah. Do you even understand like the dynamics of like, I feel like that we go like so quickly over some of these things. So could you just talk me through? So Andrew Malik has dirt on Holly Cromwell and that he, she basically has to do whatever Andrew Malik wants. And then he got her to give up some dirt on PSL. And then also did she deliver the memo to the newspaper also? So in my mind, the way it works out in my head is that she did. She is behind the memo. Um, however, he doesn't have any dirt on her. I didn't get that. What I got was that he needed somebody who could get information, and she is a person who could get information. And she has no loyalty to PSL or SL because of the way Donna treated her. So when Donna's like, hey, could you get on the stand and do this thing for me? It's not, oh, Andrew Malik's going to air me out. It's I'm very publicly a madam of the night. Everyone knows it, and I'm not going to get on the stand and let people ask me questions about that because it's illegal. What are you doing? See, so, I thought that Andrew Malik, as the district attorney, like had like potentially like charges against uh, Holly Cromwell, and that's why she has to do what he says. 
I mean, if, if he didn't, he will. Once you put her on the stand and she starts admitting to all her crimes right. because Donna Donna wants to like save her save face. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't know if he had anything going in, but there's no way she gets on the stand and gets down and there is not any like okay, well Holly Cromwell, girl, you you be out here doing legal activity mm-hmm. in the nighttime, you know, with very high professional people and extorting them using that information. You're going to jail. So then we ultimately uh, realize Andrew Malik is up to something. And so Harvey's like, well, why don't we get you on the witness stand? You can't put me on the stand. Like, why? You called my character into question. So why can't I call your character into question? We got you. And so they feel like they have him beat. Ultimately, Andrew Malik says, you know what? You don't have me beat because I'm going after your mentor. And Harvey says, good luck with Cameron Dennis. Like, no. Not him. The other one. I'm going to have Jessica disbarred. And this was a bit of like a hanging Chad from, was this Mm -hmm. the season six finale or the season six mid-season finale when Jessica came back and says, you're goddamn right I knew about Mike Ross and nobody, nobody cares. How about that? Yeah. I mean, even we said nobody cares. We we talked about it in that episode podcast and we were like, so y'all just gonna let Jessica walk in and say, "Yeah, I did it," and then leave? She's like, "Yeah, I'm moving to Chicago. Who gives a damn?" Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, according to some of our suit associates, Chicago might care. You know, like mm-hmm. she's really acting like New York, t- Toronto, York. It's its own place, like a made-up fictional place where the the bar only matters, and these lawyers will never talk to each other. But she says, "If I go to Chicago, no one's gonna give a damn about all the fraud." She still I did says in that. New York. Yeah, and she stands by it. The only person who does not seem to understand that Jessica doesn't care is Harvey. He's like, Jessica, please don't do that. Please don't. Why? Why would you Why would you let them disbar you? She's like, I admitted it in a court full of people. I admitted it in front of the ethic mm-hmm. board. I expect, I'm surprised I'm not disbarred already. Why haven't they done it? You know, you would think somebody who was taking the meeting minutes or something was like, hey, are we not going to address this? We just mm-hmm. going to let it go? So it was only a matter of time before Jessica got disbarred and also took her name off the door because this is no longer PSL. It's just SL. Yeah. So they're going to buy Jessica out. We don't know at what cost. Would love to hear from some of the associates at what number do we think that it would take to buy Jessica out. But Jessica comes back. And so we're going to have a buyout and potentially come back for the midseason back half with Specter Lit. Specter Lit? Doesn't sound Spectre? good. What about Specter Lit Williams? What if we bring in Alex? Specter um uh, SLW? SLW. It doesn't you're, not, you're right. It doesn't feel right. Specter Lit Zane and Zane? Oh wow. <laughs> I kind of like that a little bit more. I do too. Specter Lit Zane and Zane. But it has to be both Zanes because we see in this episode that they actually work pretty good together. Okay. Um because Robert Zane is a hothead, and we get Rob another flashback. Another flashback. Okay. All right. Another so yeah. You know, so we'll we'll see what happens with Specter Lit when we come back from the uh, mid season break. But for us, it'll just be tomorrow. All right. Let's talk yeah. about this case uh, that goes on. Where uh, I thought that maybe we kind of hit a, a wall with what was going on with uh, Robert Zane and Rachel working on this case, but we end up flashing back. 25 years ago. Chappelle, what did you think about this flashback to 25 years in the past? Uh, Robert Zane has always spoken like a civil rights leader. 
You know, it's like, bro, why do you sound like someone's uncle at like 25 years old? It was really frustrating to me that he's like, nah, nah, uh, Rachel, you go and see your auntie. He's like, sir, you're 12. <laughs> uh, like, why are you talking like that? Um, like he's about to give the I have a dream speech or something. <laughs> but anyway, he becomes the Robert Dane that we know today. Uh, young, fetching individual. We saw his sisters there as well. And we get to see the backstory of how her and Did you Arthur, think the actor looked enough like Wendell Pierce? I mean, you know, what you gonna do? How did you find a Wendell Pierce type? You know, he's a one of a kind, you know? Uh, I felt like it was believable that, you know, this uh, young strapping individual, he put on a few pounds over the years, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. Lost some hair. That's about yeah. it. Nothing crazy. I didn't really love this flashback overall because, I mean, this was 25 years ago, but... I feel like that they were like presenting it like this was like 1965. Like uh so 25 years ago. Voice. It was <laughs> it was 1992. Yeah. And he's like, nah, back in the day, back in the day with sexual harassment and racism were a thing. He's like, sir, this was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it very much felt like a long time ago. Um, they br- dragged this woman from her slave quarters. I was like, okay, y'all, come on, come off of it. It was bad. And it was it was 1992, but it did feel like they were really trying to do like, oh, yeah, way back when, uh, when in reality, it wasn't that long ago. And a lot of people don't realize that a lot of these discriminatory actors act, actions feel like they were so long ago and they weren't, you know, 25 years ago. The people are still alive. They're still well, it's up Robert Zane's sister, obviously, but mm-hmm. recipes. But, you know, like a lot of this stuff doesn't have to feel like it's forever ago for it to be real. Um and this definitely felt like, oh, yeah, way back in the day, back when Robert Zane was a young, uh, newly freed slave. It was like, All right. Come on, y'all. Stop. <laughs> it's not yeah, that show. Because I, I didn't really quite understand. OK, so Jasmine Zane, that's Robert Zane's sister. Uh, she's being sexually harassed at work uh, and then she loses her job. And then like they really like I, I'm sure it's very traumatic to lose a job. But um, like. What was the, this job that like her light went out from that one point that basically that her she lost the, that that's the only job. So the the leap I took was that maybe he had her blacklisted or something maybe. like that. No pun intended. You know, I feel like maybe it was one of those things where she she got fired, but then it was very hard for her to get another job because she was now looked at somebody who was, quote unquote, difficult to work with or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, and he just made it very difficult for her to move on. Now, she did go to her brother, this new hotshot lawyer up and coming, just just getting his foot in the door, about to make a name for himself. And he like, sorry, I can't help you. And if your brother ain't willing to help you, I know another a lot of uh, other law firms and stuff probably aren't going to go on the limb for you or other, you know, uh, organizations aren't going to go that far out of the limb for you either. And so she's really looking at Robert Zane as like, I, you went to this fancy law school. Come on, help me out. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's fight. He's like... You know, uh, really hard to break yeah. through this glass ceiling and I'm tapping on it right now and you're going to set me back. So I can't help you. Yeah, it's just a little muddy also because it's like, OK, so she had this job and then she lost her job under, you know, uh, you know, very like messed up pretenses. And then she ends up like going into like uh, some kind of a spiral, I Yes, uh, but it's also, but she also then gets sick and dies from a sickness uh, from, but they don't really quite like say like, okay, she started drinking and then she had some sort of like another issue. So Mm -hmm. it's just a a little muddy of like, she loses her job and then kind of related, but maybe not exactly because they say it's a uh, sickness. Two years later, she dies. Yeah, I think that suits 
with the flashbacks, they leave a lot of big holes in the story so that if they need to flashback again, they can go, oh, yeah, and this happened too. Mm -hmm. So by saying, oh, her life spiraled and she got sick, now if they need to do another flashback, they can just make it make sense for whatever storyline they have. So they can go back and say, oh, it was cancer. So now Rachel can deal with whatever, you know, cancer survivor Mm -hmm. that she's, you know, uh, that she's like representing in court or something like that. You know what I'm saying? And it makes sense to where it it aligns with her backstory. And so I'm thinking that's why they made it so vague because they really did say she got fired from her job. She spiraled and then she died. It was like, what happened? So she got sick. From what? Um, I, I can't say. You know, it's, like, it's 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 too hurtful. So yeah, I agree. It was very muddy, but they kind of yada yada it, and we see that Robert Zane later on feels very guilty about kind of letting his sister, uh, you know, die, knowing that she he did not fight for her when she needed him the most. Chappelle, it was wild when they had the deposition of this guy. Of uh, what was his name? Is this uh? Arthur Kittredge, is that him? Uh, yeah, Kittredge. Yeah, Arthur Kittredge. Yeah. Uh, and they had the deposition for this guy. And uh, like, honestly, like, I feel like it uh, seemed kind of young for uh, all of this. But here he is. And um, that they, they're like, OK, we're going to get him to crack. And he's like, well, actually, <laughs> and he's he's out of control. This guy in the deposition. I'm not going to lie to you. I kind of. I I kind of like him as a villain, you know. Like, uh, uh, I, I don't get me wrong, awful, despicable human. But when he did his whole like <laughs> Robert Zane, I see you over there watching. You watching me talk to your daughter, huh? <laughs> she nice. I like her. She's yeah. pretty. And um, you know, outside of this, she don't work for me. What's up? I, yeah, I love Mike Ross would have so left nice. across the table. Robert Dane almost <laughs> did, but Mike Ross would have been in prison again. He he literally would have. Mike Ross would have been in prison. Harvey might have punched the guy. You know, like, but Robert Zane has just the restraint of, of a five of me, you know, because there is no way that he was supposed this man was supposed to make it through this exchange alive. Um, and he did, he did the same move that they just did the other episode where they got um they got Andy Andrew to Malik, announce yeah. it. Yeah, they got Andrew Maddox to be like, I don't care if you're guilty or innocent. I'm taking you down. You know, uh, so Robert Zane is like, you bitch, I'm going to kill you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Oh, well, that's all we needed. We got it on tape. This yeah. is uh, this petty and malicious. I'm sorry, Robert Zane. We're, th- we're getting this thrown out. So then they set up another meeting where I'm surprised this guy took a meeting, Arthur Kittredge, uh, with Robert Zane one on one. And they took a meeting with him one on one. And then basically to tell him like, uh, like, hey, while we're having this meeting, Rachel is going to your board and they're basically getting them to agree to get rid of you. I wasn't sure exactly what crime they were implicating that he committed. Like I kind of felt like that they didn't have the evidence to support that they uh, did have like the goods on Arthur Kittredge for what they were going after. But it seems like Rachel just goes in there and says like, Hey, like this jury's not going to be old white men anymore. So you better like agree to get rid of him as CEO. This ain't 1992. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
black people on the jury now, and they're not going to stand for this. We got women on the jury, too. They can vote and they got rights. You know, it's like, oh, okay, Rachel. Yeah, it very much felt. This, this storyline felt very dated. I know I get that it is true. Mm-hmm. I get that this stuff is, it was just the way it was presented was very much like, yeah, now the the tide has changed. We got, we got, we got rights now. So we're about to fight back, which is probably very fair. You know, in the, in the early 90s and stuff like that, a lot of people were being silenced in ways that, you know, you can bring this stuff up now and get a lot more of a listening ear and more compassionate people on your jury. Um, so it all makes sense. It was just that it felt like they had no evidence except for y'all know he did this, right? And if the jury gets in front of him, they're going to think that he did it. And if they think that he did it, it's going to look really bad on yeah. y'all as the board. So y'all need to jump ship. So they jump ship and then he jumps ship. Yeah. Now, so this is actually very interesting also in terms of like, so this episode comes out September of 2017. And it's almost kind of like where uh, Arthur Kittredge uh, kind of gets me tooed, but like he might be the first person to get like, I think that basically like everything that comes out with like, uh, is it Harvey Weinstein? Like, I feel like that mm-hmm. that happens like right around this time, but like it happens like in October of 2017. So uh, this is like like a month early where it's like it would probably make more sense if like in the heat of the whole Me Too movement, like all this stuff comes to light and then the board decides to get rid of uh, Arthur Kittredge. But it just seems like that they don't necessarily have the dirt to like get rid of him yet at this point. No, they don't have the du- the dirt, but it does look really, really bad. You know, like uh, Rachel's in the boardroom and she's telling them, y'all have been informed about this now. And that means you're liable as well. If you're letting this business, these business practices happen, um, then y'all will go down as a board. And so, yeah, they, that, that threat is enough to get them to be like, all right, what are we going to do here? But at the same time, um, you know, Robert Zane is talking to him and he's like, so... You know, your board is going to remove you as CEO, um, but you could just take this settlement. And I'm like, wait, so which one is it? Is he removing himself as CEO and he taking a settlement or is the board removing him and he's not taking the settlement? I was very confused. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess let's not get too caught in the weeds. Uh, Long story short, shock this up as a win for Zane and Zane. Yeah, Zane and Zane. Uh. They did. They did a great job. I like them together. I like. Uh, I, I like Rachel being the cooler head that prevails when it comes to her and her dad. You know, mm-hmm. um, we've seen Rachel get flustered before and start shouting things at people and, and ruining cases as well. But here, she knew her dad was not going to be able to handle this. She knew how hard her dad took the, her aunt's death, and she knew what her dad would do if anybody used Rachel against him. And so, when Arthur Kittredge is like. Yeah, I like him black. You know, he was like, oh my God. You know, it was, it was great. So, uh, yeah. Can I nitpick one other thing with this storyline? So there's a yeah. moment where, okay, so Rachel and Robert Zane are talking and she, Rachel says, dad, it's just like all those times you watching football Every Sunday, you would say, if it's not working to run up the middle, why don't we do a goddamn end around? It's like that seems it's very specific that every <laughs> every week Robert Zane was watching the Giants try to run the ball up the middle and he was like pounding the table for an end around, which for people who are not football fans, an end around is like a very rare play. Like uh, maybe there might be like one end around 
a game. Like, I can understand, like, hey, why don't we pass the ball? But Robert Zane loves end around so much. He's like, end around, reverse, end around, <laughs> reverse. It's like, sir, we're not doing trick plays every day of play. He's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this was like his mantra of like yeah. every Sunday. He's just like end around. Why don't we ever do an end around? <laughs> I have a, I have a cousin who's constantly screaming jet sweep. Like stop, stop it, stop it, stop it. Not do it. Just run around the pile. Like it's not that simple. He's like um, you were listening to me all the time. Like, yes, he's dad. Like, Dang, I, yeah, dad. I heard you, and I was I was questioning your football strategy back then. <laughs> He's a Giants yeah. fan, so yeah. So I, I mean, uh, I feel like that in the like the '90s Giants, I feel like were probably like uh, pretty like good at running the ball, also. But I mean, he has more to complain about now than he he he, he probably has ever had, you know. <laughs> so uh, I could just imagine him yelling about the end rounds now with uh, their uh, <laughs> with their new <laughs> offense. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, so. Then let's talk about one other storyline here. Uh, Alex Williams. Okay, we took out the people of like. Okay, we thought we were through it when we took out. Uh, who was the 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 first guy of? Uh, oh, we took we took out Bratton, and now we're on the Gould. Bratton, and now yeah, the Gould. Who is a ghoul? And so <laughs> he's yes. Okay, what are we gonna do? They're trying to take back Pfizer. Uh oh. And so Lewis is like. Alex, I have to help you. Your your family. Come on. Uh, it's like okay, Lewis. Like uh, you've had like one conversation with this man before, but all right. So Lewis has to help out Alex, take all the resources, and so Lewis's plan is okay. I've got it. We'll bluff, and so we need to tell. Uh, Gould that there's another buyer in the mix and so that's going to be the plan and I'll get Dr. Lipschitz to call up I'm like what is yeah. this a sitcom uh, and then say that he's from a German pharmaceutical company Dr. Lipschitz is like mm, no I, I, won't, I won't do that and Lewis is like that's oh now the plan is for we can't find one other person in New York City that with a German accent that will be able to pull this off like Dr. Lipschitz is the guy yeah it's the only German person that Lewis knows because we know that Lewis is you know prejudiced against Germans <laughs> oh, I mean, wait, like Donna can't do an accent if this is the plan Lewis would have some nerve going to Donna and be like, yeah, I know I wouldn't mock trial for you, but if you could, in your spare time. We can't put an ad on Craigslist and find like a German actor to come in and play the pharmaceutical buyer. You need him to go to Fiverr and just <laughs> hire somebody. <laughs> go, go to Cameo and get whatever German actor you can find. And like, uh, can you do a German accent mm -hmm. please, for me really quick? Mike That'd Ross can't do his Stallone impression of a, there's an Italian buyer here. <laughs> They're like, Sly, is that you? Hey, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. The best thing he has is Dr. Lipschitz. And Dr. Lipschitz says, no, what are you dumb? <laughs> what? This was Don't insane. This is insane. Yeah. Dr. Dr. Lipschitz is like, Lewis, book the week. We we need to get you back in here on the couch. What are you doing? Is he the only person in suits that has sense? Like he's the only person in suits that we've ever seen just flat out say no to a hair brain scheme. Most people are like, okay, no, I'd never do that. And then they get the phone call, like, okay, 
damn it, I'll do it. But or they walk in at the last second and they save the day. I really was expecting the phone to ring and Dr. Lipschitz be like, okay, it's me, you know, blah, blah, blah. I did it, X, Y, Z. Uh, but this time he goes, no. Yeah. Hang up my, no hang up my phone. Mm-hmm. Stop playing with me. Yeah. I'm grown. And I'm a, I'm a licensed practitioner. Please get off my phone. Like, all right. Paula well- would have done it. <laughs> yes. Dr. Agard could be like a British buyer. She would have done it. She would have done it. Harvey says, Paula, I need you to do me this one favor. It's for a case. And Paula's like, Harvey, I really can't. Da, 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 da. And she's like, please, Harvey. It's for me. It's for Donna. It's just, he's like, okay, Harvey, I'll do it. Dr. Lipsch is like, boy, stop playing on my phone. <laughs> yeah. So crazy. then, all right, Lewis is like, oh, now what are we going to do? Like, all right, let's go back to the oldest trick in the suits book. The dictaphone. Mm. The dictaphone. You fell Which, for it, Gould. He did. He really did. Alex comes in, he's like, Gould, here I am on bended knee begging you to say your exact plan right into this microphone. Mm-hmm. And he's like, ha, I knew you'd be back. Here's my plan. <laughs> and so he's like, I did all of this just to get you to come back home to daddy. It's like, mm-hmm. what? You did all of this just to get Alex to come back to work? Okay. Um, I could not believe it. When he pulled the dictaphone out, I said, what, again? Again? We got him on a hot mic? He he asked Lewis, and that's <laughs> Lewis's signature move is the dictaphone. It really is. It's his finisher. And mm-hmm. so when, he, when you run out of Lewis' plans, you just revert back to, well, maybe they'll just tell me what they did. Mm-hmm. And so Alex yeah. comes in. He's like, this isn't about Pfizer. This isn't even about PSL. It's about you and me, baby. Yeah. And it was like, how'd you know? How'd you know I needed you to come on home? I needed you to be back at, uh, back at Gould. It's going to be Williams and Gould. F- yeah. Forget the Braddon part. It's me and you, baby. And uh, Alex is like, not so fast. Mm-hmm. And just pulls out the dictaphone. Yeah. At least once a season, somebody gets caught on a hot mic revealing their whole plan. And every time the reaction is the same, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought a lawyer would not know to say something on out loud mm-hmm. front, and admit to a crime? So many people have gotten crossed <laughs> up on the old yeah. dictaphone trick. And it, and it always leads to the same thing. It's always like, so now I got you. Let me leave and let you watch me leave. And as you realize that you now have to do me a huge favor to keep me from throwing you under the bus. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened. Gould says, hey, Alex, um, before you go, um, how can I make that tape disappear? He's like, uh, you gonna owe me a favor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're gonna make this Pfizer thing disappear. You're gonna leave me alone at PSL. But then also one day, one day I'm gonna come knocking, and when I do, need you to to open that door. And so Rob, there's a non-zero chance that we have to see Mr. Gould, Gould again. Oh my god. Yeah, Gould is not gone just yet. Okay. Chappelle, let's talk about the Liddy here for this episode. Uh, I think this is a Rob, tough one. We haven't talked about Lewis enough. Hmm. I mean, Lewis is going through this because he is still down bad about Sheila's ass. Uh, Sheila's ass left him high and dry, left him wondering what was going on. And Sheila's ass is the reason why he would not do the mock trial for Donna. Um, I I don't know how I feel about Lewis and Sheila's ass no more because I... I kind of feel like they kind of feel like an in-game couple, you know, like he just won't let it go, but she's moving on, right? Yeah, I think it was just a fling for Sheila. For Lewis, I think that he had to do it, but I think that maybe it like messed him up 
even worse. Uh, but for Sheila, I think that she is a woman who knows what she wants. And she said, OK, I just want this like one one last taste of the forbidden fruit. And then that's yeah. it. I'm out. Yeah. And Dr. Lipschitz is the one who brings that up to Louis. He's like, you know, Louis, is there any world where you just didn't do this mock trial because you didn't want the Sheila information coming out? Because Donna is pissed at Louis throughout this entire episode. So I asked you for one favor, and that was to yell at me in front of a bunch of, of our associates. And you couldn't even do it. And now I'm on the stand. Andy's calling me a slut and, and, uh, and all this other stuff. Like, what's up? And Louis is like, I... I I just didn't have time and I would have had to build an argument and all this other stuff. It's like Dr. Lipschitz says, or maybe just maybe you didn't want to have to get on here and talk about a shameful relationship that you're having, mm -hmm. like the one with Sheila's ass. And so <laughs> Sass, Sheila's ass. Is it Zaz or Zaz? I always say Sheila's ass, but I think it's Sheila's ass. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, the relationship with Sheila's ass. Yeah, it's Sheila's ass. And so I think that the relationship with Sheila's ass has been still controlling Lewis's actions to the point where he finally has to come clean to Donna and say, yeah, it's Sheila. It's always going to be Sheila. It's never it's never not been Sheila. And he had this affair, this torrid affair with this woman that he cannot let go. I think Lewis might show up at the wedding. Wow. And object at the wedding? Objection, Your Honor. Like, uh... <laughs> Absolutely. I could see Lewis doing that. And the crazy thing about this is that Lewis is the one who broke up with Sheila's ass. He's yeah. like, I have to have a I have to have a baby. And um I and would love it. to I see the guy that Sheila's marrying. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think he's a Lewis lit type? No, Lewis said he's a no, well that was that was that, uh, that was Tara. Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah, okay. So are you saying a Liddy for Lewis? No, uh, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. He did drop the ball on the Donna thing. He like, did. had he just done his job, Donna would have been fine. Yeah. I, I don't think you can give it to Lewis here. Although he did uh, give Alex the dictaphone. I would dictaphone. say, um, I feel like Mike, we haven't really talked to, uh, uh, really mentioned him at all. Other than when he told Donna to go and uh, tell Harvey his feelings. Uh, but Mike and Harvey are sort of like running around trying to figure out what Andrew Malik is going to do next. I think the person that probably deserves the Liddy, I think, is Rachel. Me too. I she was close Rachel. on a couple of these. I think it's time to give her a Liddy. She has been in the cont in contention, you know, like to be second place in the Liddy race four times in a row. I think that that equates to at least one. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So she she gets the Liddy. She's here. the cooler Don't head. Uh, ends up uh, keeping like Robert Zane from flying off the handle. Her idea works to do the end around. So yeah, and she helps motivate. Mike to talk to Donna to go kiss Harvey and you know for better or for worse I still think it's the right move I think that you know uh regardless of how it works out it's a lot better than being in this random purgatory that Donna is living in of like I can't move on with my life because what if I am too obsessed with Harvey it's like the idea of being obsessed with Harvey is driving her crazy it's not mm -hmm. that she's actually obsessed with him and she can't live it's what if I am what if everyone's right what if I am in love with him what if I can't move on what if I can't have a healthy relationship without thinking about him I have to know. And so now Rachel has pushed Mike to push Donna. And I think Rachel deserves all the credit. All right. References in this episode. Uh, I don't think that there were many other than uh, we talked about the Giants. And I think that that was uh, pretty much it. 
Um, let's take some questions, okay? Uh, David Schwartz says, Donna, wow, it's about time. How do we think about this? Is Harvey going to flip out because Donna's just made him into a cheater like his mother? Does it count as cheating if something like this just happens? Has this ever happened to either of you? It reminds me of that contestant kissing Jeff at the reunion show, I think, in season 25. Dawson? Who, who would have thought we got a Dawson reference on here? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would say that for Harvey, I don't think that this uh, constitutes cheating. But if this did happen to me, my wife would definitely constitute it as cheating. Yeah, no, you would be dead. And I would be dead. And, oh, be I don't dead. know. That, do, you, do you get divorced after the fact? No, probably just dead. I don't think it would be a need for a divorce. Right. She wouldn't give you the satisfaction of getting a divorce. She would murder you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, Harvey's not going to react well to this initially because he is going to be torn, right? He's going to be looking at Donna like, why would you put me in this position? But at the same time, if he even mentions this to Paula, Paula is a wise lady. She's going to say, Harvey, if the fact that you're telling me this and not immediately telling Donna to kiss your ass and go away, um, it's it's that you feel something and that you need to explore it. Leave me out of this. Mm -hmm. And she's going to go. And that's probably for the best because Paula, you was already moving kind of weird dating your old client. Like that's, it's just odd. Like I haven't forgotten. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jessica Frey also uh, some more uh, justification for yesterday's Liddy. Uh, Jessica Frey said about yesterday's episode, uh, it's time to give Gretchen the Liddy because she dragged Lewis like he needed to be dragged. So uh, we have the back of the associates. She said, associates I'm going to knock you the hell out. Yeah. Gretchen has just, she knows how to speak the suit's language. If you can't get what you want done, you threaten them, you dictaphone them, and then at the end of the day, you threaten to punch them in the face. Chappelle, I've been seeing in our Facebook group, uh, some people have been posting that their Spotify playlists of, uh, what is it called? Spotify Unplugged? Spotify Wrapped. Wrapped. Okay. And they've been uh, posting about how much suits yourself they've been listening to. Which is cool, right? I was like, oh, look, that's my big ass uh, toothy grin and on the front of that uh, that podcast thing. That's dope. Uh, more people should be posting that. So if you are listening to this and you haven't posted yeah. this on your Spotify rap, why aren't we hired? Thank you to Megan, who's a top 3% fan. Uh, shout out to uh, Camilla, who's a top 4% fan. Uh, Camilla, you got you still got time to get you know to get up to mm -hmm. top before three the end Megan. of the year. Yeah, yeah. Look, you put Is out a Megan daily Markle? podcast. You know, you get a uh, rack up a lot of minutes. We do, we do. We have a lot of minutes, and this podcast we keep it tight. You know, we we try not to get too you know too far in the weeds where this is an hour or two hours. So we're happy that people are, are are knocking these suits podcasts out. I don't use Spotify, but now I feel like I need to, so I can have a rap too. Yeah, so they can send you the thing. So that's the best thing mm -hmm. about Spotify. All right, Chappelle. Anything else you want to mention here today? No, follow me on Twitter at Chappelle's underscore show and follow at SuitsPod on Twitter. I've been trying to catch up on the tweets because they got behind. Uh, but yeah, we're still tweeting from there. Let us know what you're thinking about the episodes, if you have any questions, concerns. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, tune in for more SuitsPodcast.com. All right. And then we'll be back tomorrow to talk about the back half of season seven as we kick off uh, the mid-season premiere of season seven coming up tomorrow. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.